All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff. I am Ryan Martin, the chair of the psychology program here at UW-Green Bay. Uh, and we have a very special guest today where we are going to start talking about weight stigma. So um, my guest is a social psychologist who teaches here at the Univers University of Wisconsin-Green Bay in the psychology program. Um, and I'll let her say more about herself, but this is Dr. Christine Smith. Okay, well, I'm an associate professor of psychology, human development, and women's and gender studies, and I'm also the chair of women's and gender studies here. Yes. So. All right. And so what courses do you teach? Uh, the three big courses I teach, or the three main courses I teach, are research methods, social psychology, and psychology of women. Okay. Those are my three areas of expertise in some sense, I hope, gotcha. given how many of them I've taught. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, and I was trying to do the math on, on my way here. You've been at GB for... This is my eighth year. Eighth year. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. Time flies. Okay. Yeah, I was going to guess six. <laughs> I, I failed. <laughs> so, okay. So, eighth year. Good. Um, and I, so I'm super excited about today because okay. even though we've worked together for eight years, I'm trusting you, six to eight years, depending <laughs> on who you ask, <laughs> um, I... Uh, Thank you, Kate. My phone was on. Um, so uh, even though we've worked together this time, I don't think we've really sat down and talked research very often and talked about what no. you study and that sort of thing. So I'm super excited uh, about today because today we're going to talk about your your research area, which is weight stigma. Right, so yeah. Can we start there? Can you tell me and everyone what weight stigma is? Okay. Well, um, in the early stigma research actually came from Irving Goffman, who's a sociologist, but we forgive him for that. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, and the idea of stigma, and you know, lots of things can be stigma, is the idea that it's sort of a blemish. His, his definition is it's a blemish of the body or what we consider to be an abomination. And so weight stigma is, and we're primarily here talking about large weight, um, that people receive all kinds of negative um, treatments, behaviors, attitudes, et cetera, as a result of their body size, primarily in the weight stigma literature, uh, stereotyping prejudice discrimination against fat people in a nutshell. Okay. Okay. So. That was actually one of my first questions yeah. was going to be, are we talking about, when we talk about weight stigma, are we talking about yeah. people who are overweight or people who are underweight, or is it right. predominantly focused on people who are overweight? Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, the idea is that certainly underweight people have certain kinds of experiences as well, but their bodies are not held up in nearly the same kind of way in sort of negative. And in fact, okay. if you look at models, they are generally un underweight and they get lauded, mm -hmm. at least in this culture. So. Right. So what are some of the examples? You talk about discrimination and mm -hmm. things like that. What are some of the things that, that were... Yeah, there's some... Um, certainly the research shows, even from a young age, children discriminate against other kids. And so there's been some research, for example, that has asked kids, you know, who would you be most likely to play with or who wouldn't you want to play with? And they have a variety of different um, kids, including kids who have disabilities, et cetera. And fat kids are generally the ones who are seen most negatively and least likely to be chosen by other kids' as, um, playmates. Uh, there's research on um, in, in grades and uh, how teachers uh, respond to fat kids all the way up into adulthood. Um, we can look at weight discrimination in hiring. Um, there's research that suggests that in colleges where you require interviews that Fat women especially are less likely to get into those more prestigious colleges. And so, and also the, there's an income factor, especially if women experience more weight stigma than men do. Mm -hmm. And so research suggests that fat women actually make less money than thinner women. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
So you've mentioned women a couple times. Mm-hmm. Is it, is, I'm curious to know, is the research mostly focused on women, or um, are the findings different mm-hmm. between women and men? They are to some. The findings um, have focused on both men and women, although it does seem that women experience more weight stigma because um, it doesn't mean that when men don't. And I think after a, a much larger men do tend to experience it. And interestingly, what often happens to fat men is that they're seen as being sort of feminized mm-hmm. like women. So uh, so it, it sort of challenges their masculinity. But if we look at mm-hmm. um, larger men are more likely to be seen in some stereotypical ways like teddy bears, et cetera. And so they may experience some level um, of uh, sort of relief from discrimination. So mm-hmm. women do experience more of it, but that doesn't mean that fat men don't mm-hmm. experience it. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned uh, children, and I had this mm. really um, uh, sort of awkward experience with my son. It was probably two years ago. We were at a restaurant, and uh, someone sat down near us who was a little heavier, and, and Reese said just kind of out loud, oh, wow, look how big she is or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I don't remember the exact language she used. And it was, so, it was, it was both horrifying to me um, mm-hmm. but also – fascinating because Mm -hmm. this is not something that I think he gets at home from Mm -hmm. I mean I don't think this is something he ever hears Tina or Mm -hmm. I say it's not something we ever would you know and so there was a piece of me that wondered so where does it come from and so I guess that's a question for you where does it come from well I mean it it is social because if we look at sort of what's referred to as the social construction of obesity and whether fat and weight is stigmatized it isn't in every culture in some cultures it is much less stigmatized I just came back from South Africa and being very thin is often, um, for poor folks, is often related to being HIV positive or having AIDS. Mm. And so having some level of plumpness and fatness has actually seemed more desirable. So um, d- different cultures have different ideals uh, and not only ideals, but goals for people's particular weight. And the other thing is that people do come in different kinds of sizes, right? Some mm. people are bigger than others and some people are smaller than others. but. Um, we have kind of um, stigmatized those people who are at the larger end. Right. So in, in some sense, pointing out some that, that she's big shouldn't necessarily be a problem, and it wouldn't be if we didn't consider big to be bad. Right, exactly. And that was what was really interesting about the interaction mm-hmm. is that I didn't get the sense that in his mind he thought that was – I mean, he must have thought it was noteworthy. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. I mean, or else he wouldn't have called it out. Yet right. I, I don't think in his mind he thought it was an insult either. Right. You know, and so, and then he, the follow up here is that he kind of got in his head that it was like, okay, so fat is bad, but big, you know, and so oh, it was uh-huh. like, so he would sometimes use words like plump to describe uh, someone. And, 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 but I think part of yeah. that, it comes from the way we describe like Santa Claus mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like the language that people use around, yeah. uh, you know, that, right. um, I mean, I don't think anyone, like any of his books describe Santa as fat, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's like, but okay. he's jolly. Yes, right? exactly. So I think he kind of got it in his head, like, okay, so it's okay to talk about people's bodies mm-hmm. and to, to call it out, but it's not okay to do that, you right. know, and, or to use that word. And so. But even thinking mm-hmm. about Santa Claus, that a lot of people are very upset that Santa's fat. You know, mm-hmm. somehow, I don't know, Santa's supposed to go on a diet or something. Well, Santa seems to do a pretty good job every year <laughs> with, at his own weight. I don't know how losing weight would actually make him better at this job. Yeah. It's unclear. 
I wouldn't mess with it if it's working. Yeah. Right, you know, exactly. I mean, that's why <laughs> he's been around yeah. for a long time. He's, right. Yeah, he seems yeah. healthy. I mean, he's a perfect so, example of how yeah. weight is irrelevant to performance. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think actually in, uh, I think in, in Rudolph, Mrs. Claus is actually trying to fatten him up a little bit. <laughs> she says something like, who wants, who ever heard of a skinny Santa or something like that and tries right? to give him a bunch of cookies. And yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. For the record, I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> if you, it, someday sit down and watch Rudolph and you'll realize it just, it is there are some of the worst messages imaginable in that movie it's just the worst so it drives me crazy yeah that's um, one of the things about going back and looking at your childhood yeah. films and being absolutely appalled by yeah. <laughs> those messages every year i make up excuses why we can't watch it with my kids <laughs> every year <laughs> so yeah um at one point they take uh, like uh don or whatever rudolph's dad goes out searching for him and when when is when Rudolph's mom wants to go with, he shouts back, like, no, this is man's work. Something like that. Yeah, it's appalling. Wow. It, is, it is appalling. The suggestion that a mom can't go search for her son. <laughs> because it's really... So, anyways, I know uh, we've gone so far afield. Right. But, it, it all, <laughs> hey, this is just like my class. Anyway. So, good, good. Um, so, you used a, f- a phrase that I'm curious about. I want you to mm-hmm. maybe expand on a little bit. You said the social construction of obesity. Yeah. Describe that for, for people. Yeah, well... Um, you know, as in and when we look at all kinds of the, the different kinds of isms, racism, sexism, that in some sense we we construct what is good and bad. So each culture kind of decides what's good and bad. Um, and so in some cultures, being fat isn't necessarily bad, maybe seen. And even in our own culture, think of chubby, plump babies. Mm-hmm. We think that's great. It's just that they should lose that baby fat after they get right. to a certain point. So we have constructed an an idea of what is healthy, what Mm -hmm. is beautiful, and it isn't necessarily based on any real data. It's not as if if you have a certain BMI, you automatically have all these health problems, or if you have a a lower BMI, you don't have any. And so these are based on not scientific evidence, but more cultural pressures and desires. Mm -hmm. And especially because, you know, these uh, messages bodies have meaning behind them and fat bodies often are seen as being lazy fat people are seen as being stupid etc and so we construct this uh problem and then um, people then are stigmatized Mm -hmm. as a result of it Mm -hmm. so in so you could go from one culture to another and what's considered to be problematic in one culture isn't necessarily in another so so I'm curious about BMI because, mm-hmm. uh, so and, may, and if, if this is not something you know, Oh, no, I, I know all about that. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's the background on BMI? Because I, I routinely am hear, I mean, I don't talk about BMI very yeah. often in class yeah. other than when we talk about eating yeah. disorders and um, because it's still used, to your yeah. point, oh, as, yeah. as a, a framing for what it means to have right. anorexia nervosa. Oh, yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yet I, and routinely students kind of talk about some of the negatives, which I know mm-hmm. they learned yeah. uh, from you. So if, could you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, so BMI is body mass index, and it's basically the ratio between your height and your weight. And so it becomes categorized, and it's based on the metric system, which is, you know, Americans, we don't know that. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, generally for both men and women, a BMI under 25 is considered to be healthy. Now, that an interesting thing about that is that 
somebody decided that. It's not as if if you're 26, you're unhealthy, 25, you are. And actually, the rates of BMIs and whether they're considered to be healthy or not has changed. It was initially developed by the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company in the 50s. And so it was around insurance and who should get insurance or not. And so that had, and so we have, so we still continue to use that measure. It doesn't take into account probably some of the things the students mentioned, or things like muscle, mm -hmm. for example. So it doesn't. Muscle tends to weigh more than fat. So, but we've constructed this sort of arbitrary. Uh, it used to be twenty to basically twenty-five was considered to be ideal. By the way, it's moved down to eighteen to twenty-five. So you can be more. What was underweight before is now considered to be desirable. Right. And then 20, but so basically 25.1 to about 29.9 is considered to be overweight. And then 30 and over is considered to be obese. And so again, these, are, these categories aren't necessarily based on anything. They're kind mm -hmm. of arbitrary in a nutshell. And if some people talk about, well, they're related to health, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, a big factor with fat and health is where you store your fat, for example, uh, people who store their fat in their hips mm -hmm. um, tend to actually, it, that's actually healthy to store your fat that way. And there's some research now, especially for women, showing that women who are fat around their hips actually tend to be healthier. Um, and if you look at longevity rates, women who have BMIs between about 25 to 35 live the longest. Hmm. So that's overweight to mildly obese. So that's, so, right. And so if we're looking for something like, um, you know, who lives the longest, well, then it should be 36 and above might be considered to be problematic for women. Yeah. Now, men tend to score, uh, store their weight in their bellies more so. And it seems that people who store their weight more in their bellies, um, that is does tend to be more problematic. And so higher levels of BMI might be more problematic. But, but it's not simply the BMI. It's also where you store your f body fat and a variety of other factors. I mean, we, f we focus on this height-weight ratio without taking into consider things like glucose level, blood pressure, heart rate, all those right. other kinds of numbers. And we've obsessed on BMI when BMI, those cutoff levels are arbitrary. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That is fast. So I came to the right mm -hmm. person. Yeah. I've actually, <laughs> I've wondered that for a long time. Yeah. Um, outstanding. So tell me a little bit about some of the research you've done specifically. Okay. So pick a study or two and kind okay. of share with me some. Well, one, uh, one study I've done is looking at weight descriptors specifically, which you actually kind of talked about. And so I looked at how a woman was judged differently by whether she was um, by a specific weight descriptor was ascribed to her. So students, participants actually, read mock personal ads. And there were six conditions. And so they all read the same ad except for one word. Uh, so she either described herself as fat, obese, full-figured, uh, let's see, fat, full, I'm trying to remember all the words, fat, right. obese, overweight, full-figured, 105.4 and 197 pounds, which is considered to be obese with, in BMI terms, or no weight descriptor at all. And so I had people evaluate her and what the size they thought they were, how intelligent they thought she was, um, healthy, um, happy, etc., and so did find pretty significant differences just based on that one word. Interestingly, one the um, and so the obese person was seen the most negatively. Okay. Um, and then kind of second, fat and overweight. 
And so uh, the, yeah. the dependent the evaluations where right. you said. Um, so basically they were to evaluate, it was a semantic differential. So oh, okay. uh, so you might healthy, the healthy to unhealthy, attractive to unattractive. Right. Okay. And so they were supposed to evaluate this woman who put this personal ad out based on um, the descriptor. And so they read a nice little story. So she's, you know, says, I'm a fat woman. I like to, you know, long walks on the beach, those kinds of fun things, love laughs, go to movies, things like that. And so there were just six conditions with one word changed. And yet the evaluations of her changed pretty dramatically just based on that one word within a much larger personal ad. Yeah, the funny thing, full figured was actually seen. So when we asked her, kind of like sort of size wise, they saw full figured women as big, as big as say overweight and fat women, but they didn't actually see her negatively. Hmm. So using that word full figured is a very good idea, apparently. <laughs> but <laughs> right. they'll say you're fat, but also cute. Um, and then so we had the control because we had one per um, one condition where there was no uh, weight descriptor at all. Mm -hmm. And so we can com do that comparison. Okay. And interestingly, the 197 pounds actually led to less stigmatizing as well. Hmm. So those words, yeah. fat, overweight, obese, those words are actually uh, were the ones that sort of resulted in negative stigma for this right. advertiser. Yeah, so they yeah. essentially pull yeah. from all those different right. Sort of so, and one of the things we took um, we talked about was some of the applications for this. So, let's say you're a doctor, or, you know, a physician, and you have your medical records. If you describe the person as obese, they may be perceived differently than if you just say five, four, hundred ninety-seven right. pounds. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Huh. So what's, what are some of the follow-ups to that? If you, are you planning any follow-up studies? Yeah, it was specifically on women. Okay. And so the follow-up study is going to be on men. And that gets to be a little bit more interesting because there isn't necessarily a full-figured parallel for men. Right. Um, there does, uh, so you get, uh, you know, so we're, we're trying to think, husky, things like that. The other thing we did in there was actually just looked at body silhouettes and found that women were seen more negatively at smaller sizes that basically women could afford to be men could afford to be mm -hmm. more fat before they were seen negatively than women could mm -hmm. so men got more leeway on their body size before they were stigmatized than women did huh. so so men did but they had to be much larger in order for it to happen so the uh, when you when you sign up for races, they mm -hmm. have a separate. I think it, yeah. it might just be triathlons, but when you sign up for races, they have a special category for men and for women who mm -hmm. are larger, and yeah. they use the language Clydesdale for Whoa. men. So and Clydesdale. I think you know, is it for women? Is it Athena? Athena. Yeah, okay. Athena for women, Clydesdale for men. So try that. Okay. That <laughs> I can imagine. Hi, I'm 5'10. I like long walks on the beach. I'm a Clydesdale. I <laughs> so, yeah. I, I only remember this because I had no idea what it meant. The first time I looked at it, I was like, wait, am I, am I a Clydesdale? I don't think That's I'm a Clydesdale. People <laughs> come up with such amazing, amazing euphemisms. Yeah. And so the, you'll note the euphemism or the word I've been using is fat. Fat isn't necessarily a problematic term. Overweight or obese kind of implies that over whose weight? I'm over some right. people's weight, not right. over others. And so it's fat is kind of a descriptor. And the idea is sort of embracing that word again, mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily a bad word. It's like many other words. We know that 
it's not the word. It's what people, all the meanings people put right. onto that word. Yeah, so that's a really interesting point. And yeah, I think especially the overweight in particular. Mm-hmm. Like obese, at least, is sort of a category. Right. You know, yeah. Like, like the, I mean, yes, that category has right. negative yeah. connotations, but but you're right. Overweight yeah. suggests that like there's a. And the weight they're supposed right. to be, and they're over that. And especially because those things have shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of, if you look at ideal body weights mm-hmm. charts, those keep changing. Mm-hmm. And they especially keep going up for women. So before, if you're, say, five feet, four inches tall, they might say, you know, you should be anywhere between 110 and, let's say, 140. And now they've moved up to, say, 150. So what is ideal even keeps shifting. Mm-hmm. And so that suggests that, Either people are, you know, uh, know, people are getting fatter, but it's okay. But, you know, I mean, there are all kinds of, um, you you think research goes into those categorizations, but actually it isn't necessarily. So yeah. Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts about movies and one of the things mm-hmm. they the language they often use when they're describing movies from like the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. is someone being seventies fit or eighties oh. fit. Like that there's a description like uh-huh. well, this person he was not fit by modern standards, but fit by seventies right. standards or eighties standards. Yeah, and you go so, look back at those films yeah. and you're like besides the hair, which is so distracting, yeah. and the clothing, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean people have different I mm-hmm. you know and you're like, Well, those people are kind of fleshy compared to us or looking at someone like Marilyn Monroe right. um, a very different image mm-hmm. and yet she would definitely you know you wouldn't see if, if Marilyn Monroe existed today she'd be a plus-size model mm-hmm. so no, I'll send you this link too and maybe you saw it but uh, some there was an article and I want to say it was in HuffPost just last mm-hmm. year that actually looked at it had a, a really neat uh, descriptor of um, where you could look at pictures of the the winners of the beauty. Oh, okay. Oh, beauty yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, like yeah. the Miss America pageants. Miss America pageant. mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, as Miss America pageant, you could kind of scroll through mm-hmm. and see the winners every year, and so you could see, you know, how the how body type has changed right. over the however many years. So there's some um, research also looking at women in Playboy doing the same thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so really interesting, intriguing way to sort of visually see sort of mm-hmm. what. What, what this change has meant and what it's yeah. looked like, and, and frankly, it's dangerous. Yeah, know, right. So. Very good. Well, yeah. um, it's time for a game. If okay. You're ready. Unless yes. you have anything else you want to say about a this before game. we. No, I, well, I do want to just pl- put a little plug in for Fat Studies, which is an interdisciplinary, a newer interdisciplinary that's looking at sort of the social construction of obesity. What does it mean to have a fat body? How fat bodies are portrayed in the media, et cetera. And okay. we also, part of that, we, because I'm on the uh, board of the journal Fat Studies. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And okay. it's we also promote what's called health at every size. So the idea that everybody, um, we should be looking for health, the joy of movement and food, et cetera. And rather than focusing on numbers, we should be focusing on health and, and mm-hmm. making our bodies feel good and in healthy ways. So that's my I'm little saying, plug. No, thank you very yeah. much for that. That's okay. great. So, so I get a game. I'm okay. Saying, yeah, so this is a game we call Five Questions. Oh, okay. We, I think I've heard of this game before. <laughs> where I'm going to draw five questions <laughs> okay. from this hat. And I all literally right. have a hat. That okay. Is, and uh, you answer them. Okay. So, all right. Question number seven. All right. Question number one. If your house was burning down, what's the one non-living thing you would save? Oh, the one non-living you get to thing save all I the would save. Things. Okay, good, because, you, you know. You, I, you have a couple dogs, right? Yeah, right? I have three dogs and you two can, cats. You, you can yeah, save the dogs good. and cats? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, probably my computer. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's where all my work is. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be mine too, but mainly yeah. for, for pictures. Yeah. Like right. I have a lot, a lot of pictures on them now yeah. too. Yeah. My, my sister actually had to, side note, had to flee her house because of, uh, of um, some potential fires while she was in San Diego during some forest fires. And um, everything was fine, but... The, her big regret was she said, I wish I would have just grabbed the computer. Like, just the t- at the time, it wasn't a laptop. It was just the tower. Throw it in the truck. Oh, and, yeah. You know, so. All right. What's your least favorite food? My least favorite. Oh, I have so many. Um, <laughs> least favorite food. <laughs> oh, God. Liver. Oh. My whole family loved liver and onions. And I know it was the grossest thing. And I thought that. But, you know, I wanted to be a good sport. And I'm thinking everyone else likes it. I don't understand how they can eat a food that filters bile from the body. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I have actually never tried liver. Oh. So, oh. Yeah. yeah, my whole family loves it. Yeah. My father-in-law really loves liver. Yeah. So that's his thing. Do you have a favorite quote? Do I have a favorite quote? Um Well, I think my sort of favorite quote is people are trying to do the best that they can with what they have. Very nice. Yeah. I like that. If I didn't have two more questions asked, I'd want to end with that. So we're going to come back to that. <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh, if given a chance, who would you like to be for a day? Who would I like to be for a and day? And this can be living or dead. You can go back in time. We established that, that rule okay. earlier. In a oh, my episode. God. Who would I like to be for a day? I'd like to be Gloria Steinem for a day. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. That yeah. does sound awesome. <laughs> so. um, all right. Do you have a favorite line from a movie? <laughs> yes from hairspray oh, really? <laughs> the original hairspray of okay. course it's like i'm big i'm blonde and i'm beautiful outstanding <laughs> thank you very much sure that was very nice so um i want to i guess first just say a thank you, you. That, was, that was that was <laughs> uh yes that was fascinating i really enjoyed talking to you about Thanks. that so that was great um do you have anything else you want to say before you go anything else you want to um, I don't think so. The original Hairspray is much better. I just want to say that for the record. Okay. Um, hairspray 2 is okay. But I was There's Tracy. Hairspray 2? There, well, there is Hairspray. There is the movie, which is by John Waters. And then there was the musical on Broadway. And then there was the movie right. made on the musical on Broadway. But the first one has Ricky Lake. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, that's, okay. it's just fantastic. Yeah. I, I've gone as Tracy Turnblad for... Um, for uh, uh, Halloween several times. Okay. So I didn't yeah. know the musical came after that movie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen. I've not seen the musical on right. stage. I've seen both the movies. <laughs> I've seen it on stage too. Oh. You know, there aren't that many movies where the fat girl gets the boy. It looks like Elvis. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> all right. There you go. That's good. Um, all right. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Um, I want to take a moment to talk about our next episode. So uh, next week, uh, in just in time for Valentine's Day. We have got Dr. Joel Morocco and uh, of the UW Green Bay Human Development Program, uh, and uh, a friend of his, Dr. Rebecca Reed, who's actually visiting and doing a talk that night on relationships. So, just in time for Valentine's Day, we are going to talk relationships. So. Um, again, thank you very much. Thank I also you. want to say a special thanks to Kate Farley, our producer, who does an awesome, awesome job with this week in and week out. So thank you very much, Kate. Thanks. So, all right. That all is right. all we have for today. Thanks. All right. Thank you.